And if you had that exact same brand managed by a different team, influencer would do absolute and ads would be everything that works for them. So, Hello and welcome to the Optimized Store Owner Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Optimized Store Owner Show, where we help frustrated store owners become impactful store owners through tips, tactics, and strategies. On today's episode, we have Charlie from the Facebook Disruptor. Charlie is one of the top 100 advertisers on Facebook in the world. He's also known for spending a million dollars per day and has worked with major brands like CVS, Jamba Juice, and Nissan, just to name a few. Charlie is also incredibly practical about advertising on smaller budgets for those of you who want to scale from $100 a day to thousands of dollars per day. You're going to be learning thing, these three things and more, how to set up the Facebook ad campaign with a limited budget, what an, the impact of the new iOS 14 is actually happening on advertisements through Facebook and Instagram, and how to begin to win at Facebook even if you have limited stock on your products. All that and more. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Charlie, thank you so much for jumping into uh, our podcast. Uh, super excited to have you here. Thanks. For the double wave. The double wave. Got it. Yeah. That's just, uh, I don't know why I did that, but I, I stand behind <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie is uh, been a wealth of knowledge for us, and I'm super excited he could be here today and just more so explain to everybody listening um, how to begin to win a Facebook. I think that's what he's kind of coined in a lot of his videos. I keep saying it now. And we're going to be talking about how to grow and scale as a business. And I think we're also going to give a little insight into what's happening now, all this quote unquote disruption with Facebook and tracking and everything like that. But super excited to have Charlie here. And Charlie, what would you say for somebody who's just starting out on Facebook and they have 100, 200 bucks a day, what do they need to do to start out to begin to win? And then we can kind of scale up from there. Sure. I think the number one thing people need to figure out is what is the number one most important thing they need to get done? Um, at a budget that is... I would say that's small. That's not disrespectful to folks at that point, but as a budget that is does not provide the ability to get a lot, a large volume of desired actions out of the platform. Basically, I'm not able to drive a hundred sales a day or get 50 leads or whatever the course is. Like if you can, if your overall volume of desired results is limited then the amount of overall business objectives that you can really focus on delivering well is also limited. So I think the biggest thing that I want people to focus in on, especially when they're at smaller budgets, is find the thing that you can do well at that budget. Like pick a lane and it might not be promoting your biggest product. It might not be being able to honestly go find new users. It, it, it might not be able to, you know, there's a lot of different objectives that people can get done, but when you're dealing with a budget like that, sometimes the easiest way of increasing your efficiency so that you can get enough volume of conversions so that you can use the Facebook's unfair advantage the marketplace, which is a machine learning platform on an optimized CPM environment, is maybe you use it for retargeting. You're using it as a broad retargeting tool using other efforts to get attention. Um, at the end of the day, the number one most important thing is getting stable results that get more and more efficient over time. And 
it's a machine learning platform. So every penny you spend is teaching it to do something. If those things, if you're teaching it to do multiple things, <clears throat> then you're teaching it to do a lot of things poorly. And if you cannot invest enough to get it to do the things that you need it to get done well, then you are not properly utilizing the platform. So ultimately, I think the biggest objective is find the things that you can do at enough volume that they become meaningful to your business and ignore everything else that gets in the way. Whenever, so you, you mentioned something there too, right? So it's a it's machine, it's an, it, need, it needs data to learn. So if if that's true, and let's just say money is, has now, and is later in this conversation, is now no longer an option or an object rather, if it's $100 a day and that client had good results, let's just say that for every dollar they spend, they're making three, and then you said, hey, for this to really be scalable and stable and everything else, it said, okay, go to $1,000 a day. Is that even possible to do something like that? Let's just say everything else throughout the funnel is working well. Can you really just go and add more money to the machine and, and it works that way or does it break? Uh, I think it'll absolutely break. Okay. Um, and it's because basically it's a machine learning platform. And what that really means is it's getting really good at delivering a consistent result on an algebra problem, right? With a bunch of variables in it. Now, if your algebra problem has one of the numbers is a level of complexity of $100, $100 a day. When you go from 100 a day to 1,000 a day, you're making that algebra problem 10 times more difficult, but you're not giving it 10 times more data. You're not giving it 10 times more confidence. So you are making it far less stable. Um, and, and what will ultimately happen is as you part of your bid in Facebook's ecosystem, it's really built around two things, your overall budget, how much you're willing to spend, and then your estimated action rate, how much, how likely is your content to deliver an action that Facebook deems as desirable for Facebook as a platform, because Google, their number one objective is to get people off of Google as quickly as possible. Facebook's objective is to keep people on the platform for as long as possible. So if your content is something that drives people off the platform or doesn't garner engagement or is something that is ultimately seen as a liability, then you are going to pay more money than somebody else. And the more money you're willing to pay, they're going to tax you basically. You know, if you're spending a thousand a day, you're going to pay more than a hundred bucks a day. If you're spending 50,000 a day to reach that same person, you're going to have to pay more money just because you basically, um, chosen you've, you've told you've told the platform basically hey look I'm, I'm a big spender you can be willing to pay a bit more so when you go from a hundred a day to a thousand a day it's not to say that you're going to lose but it is to say that you are not going to maintain the same performance now if at a hundred bucks a day you're getting 50 conversions and they are like you know five times cheaper than your goal Maybe you go to a thousand and you lose a ton of efficiency, but you're able to handle it because you were doing so well before that it's going to, that it's okay. But that is an extraordinarily limited use case of most people's experience on the platform. Most people aren't like my target cost per sale is 50 bucks. I'm getting it for five. Like that just doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and Hey, if it does go from a hundred to 10,000, like there's no reason not to, but 
generally speaking, that is too disruptive to the ecosystem to be able to truly project the outcome in a meaningful way. And that will likely lead to some less than desired results. However, that's you know a good general bit of advice, but that's not to say that you have to wait. Like if you can afford it, go for it. Like if you can afford a, a, you know, a few days or a week to see some things happen, like if your business is great and like, hey, look, if I lost that thousand bucks today, I'm not out of business. Like if you're in that, if you're swinging with that kind of business model, there's no harm in just going that high. You might see some instability, but you're going to get to that scale much faster. And those are the types of risks that there's never a right answer to. Every advertiser has a different set of problems and a different scenario. And that's why, you know, if anybody tells you that they have, you know, the silver bullet on what your solution is, um, they're full of So what would be the next logical step? I know you've, speak, you've spoken a lot in the past about the creative side of things, but what is the next logical step? So if you're spending $100 and let's say you scale up a little bit, instead of going from zero to 1,000 that way, it's like an incremental change over time. What's the best way to to see results, to get start to get stability? How do we continuously get better over time then? Yeah, I think, you know, as you're growing, um, what you really need to focus in on is what is your overall business objective? And what I mean by that is some brands success for them is, you know, getting more and more customers. Like they are, they are in growth mindset where their, their, their overall business objective is not to see massive profit from every penny that they spend. Um, which is 100% okay, you know? Uh, I know a lot of businesses where their objective is not profit, right? Their objective is market share. That's a very different business model than folks that need as much revenue as possible. And that's a very different business model than folks that need to see as much profit off of every dollar that they spend. You know, top line growth, bottom line growth, market share. These are all very different things. And so I think you have to know, like, what is the most important thing? And if you can make your any advertising effort or honestly anything that you're doing in life, if you can get it down to what is the most important thing, what is what is distraction and what is value, and you can prioritize your time and energy in delivering that one most important thing, then your success is going to be much greater. So my point to that is if you can identify the number one most important thing, maybe it's a certain cost per acquisition that you can write on the wall and like every penny I spend below that is good for me. Well, then, you know, you can focus all of your efforts on trying to acquire that and get rid of everything in your account that gets in the way of making that happen. Um, and generally speaking, um, when you're trying to optimize stuff and when you're trying to deliver better results, a lot of people make the mistake of saying, well, this thing's working really well. I'm going to throw a bunch of money at it. And what you're basically doing is saying, this thing is something I can rely on. I'm going to break it. Instead of saying, these things are liabilities to me. I'm going to remove them. And nine times out of 10, when I talk to people that are struggling in their efforts of growing their business, it's because they have a fundamental misunderstanding of how the platform works. And it's not their fault, most of them. I mean, Agency owners who have been around for a long time and spent millions and millions of dollars, they've been taught the best practices by Facebook for year after year after year after year. Um, and if they choose to ignore it, well, then, you know, I see that all the time. 
But for regular advertisers, people that are just kind of coming up and trying to put businesses together or smaller agencies that aren't in the, you know, million dollar, $10 million a month billable situation where they don't have that level of like huge support. Um, I think that what makes sense logically of let me isolate everything that works and smash it. Like I have to understand, like, that's just not how the platform works. It's, it's a much easier to win if you remove bad choices and then everything that's left. If only choices, if all the choices you make are good ones, it's really hard to make a bad decision. If you say you can make any decision you want, but I'm going to heavily reward you for making good ones, bad choices are still going to be made. And eventually those good ones are going to run out of how much value they can bring. And for what it's worth, I think 90% of the people I talk to don't understand that. And it's it's generally because it's either not the way their brain thinks or because they have been um, taught poorly by folks that claim to know what they're doing. Um, and, and honestly, that tends to be far more often than not. The situation is people just get really bad advice from folks that are unwilling to accept that what they're doing is creating liabilities in the ecosystem and causing far more harm than good because they can just see right in front of their face and right in front of their face is an easy win. And they're prioritizing easy wins rather than true value for their, their customers and their students. Whenever you're talking about setting up a new campaign, so, or yeah, let's just say business has been around for a while. Maybe they've been around for a year. And then they run into Charlie or they run into it and they're like, hey, this these issues, uh, I'm running into all these instability. I can never figure out, hey, I'm making, you know, three times my money, but I can't ever scale or I can't get my cost per acquisition down. Whatever that is that you said, like you write up against the wall, right? If we're going to use that as the, the metric, how would you set up a campaign for them beginning to be successful? And then how do you continue to maintain a campaign once it's been set up for success? Yeah, I think the first thing that I try to do in setting up a campaign is to is decide, like, what is my objective? Like, what is my singular most important thing? And the honest truth is every business decision can come down to a number. If it can't come down to a number, then you're probably not thinking about it in a way that is going to help you win. Um, and, and I, I know that that sometimes isn't how everybody wants to think about things, but, um, that is very much what people need to understand is if you, if you can't measure it, if you can't quantify it in dollars and cents, then, or, or whatever that number is, then you're going to struggle. And so the number one thing I would suggest to people is understand a number that means success. From there, figure out the best way of achieving that number. And on Facebook, generally speaking, the best way of doing that is creative testing against the cheapest audience that's the most stable, the most scalable in a way that um, prioritizes data over insight and performance above all else and do the best you can to Set yourself up for something stable that you can improve upon. Facebook, the engineers built it to effectively run on the scientific method because they're smart people, 
scientific method has been proven to be, you know, be pretty decent for people. Um, and the, the platform is built as that as a core value. So control and test. Anything more complicated than that is a liability. When I've seen, so there's other people um, that I that don't really teach on the ads part, but they teach more so on the imagery part. And I know that you've talked previously about just getting people to stop the scroll. But the the guy that I that I was listening to, he said that the the image, like Facebook, can actually see the image. So depending on what that image is, is it better to use something to stop the scroll and it's just a really good high quality image, or is it better to use the product? And Facebook sees that, like, let's just say it's that clothing brand, right? If it's a T-shirt, should it just be somebody from the neck down or neck to the waist of, like, wearing a T-shirt and Facebook knows it's a T-shirt brand? Or should it just, or should it be something that ultimately just stops the scroll and it's not necessarily you can tell that it's a T-shirt? Is there one better than the other? Um, I don't know that there's one better than the other. I think what's most important is being able to determine what's best for you. Because yes, Facebook knows what's in your image and knows what's in your video. Um, and it can use that to show your content to people that it thinks are going to respond positively to it. That being said, what might stop the scroll might not lead to a conversion. There are ads with great click-through rates and great CPCs that do performance. And it's because you're not prioritizing what actually gets the job done. A lot of folks look at metrics that have no bearing on business objectives inside of an optimized CPM platform like CPM or cost per click or click-through rate or cost per ad to cart, like all of this stuff that doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care how efficiently I can get people into the store. I care about how efficiently can I get people to buy, right? Like I can get you a ton of people that want to test drive a Ferrari. Doesn't mean I'm going to sell any of them. Like I can just put up free test drives on Ferrari and go down to, you know, any college student that is, you know, just got their first student loan check. They're never going to buy, <laughs> but I'm going to have a month full of test drives. So when people talk about, well, my CPCs are too high. I'm like, I don't give a shit about your CPC. What's your cost per acquisition? That's all that matters. And really inefficient ads can be on those leading metrics can be really good because they're disqualifying a lot of bad traffic. So that by the time somebody actually comes into your store, they're ready to buy, they're good customers. And mm -hmm. if you wanna improve the conversion rate of your store, get better quality customers into your store and then just acquire those customers cheaper. Um, that's a far better way than say, well, I'm gonna just throw a ton of garbage at it and hopefully that pans out to be something positive for me. Um, and if you do really good at that on Facebook, the downstream metrics of your email campaign, your Google campaigns, everything else is going to be better because the people that you actually drove into your ecosystem are of value. Um, that, that, that's just, it makes sense in the real world. Um, and, and a lot of times you have to pull people out of trying to be smart and start, turn, and start showing them that like, you can be really smart or you can be successful. Um, because they generally are almost mutually like exclusive. The more clever you try to be, generally speaking, the more time and effort you're going to be spending trying to solve the same problem over and over again, year after year after year. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15 minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. 
Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. Interesting. So, okay, that kind of throws a that throws it all for a loop, and which is why I guess you say we need to test be be testing the creative. And is when you're speaking creative for those who are probably listening, they're they're the business owner. They're not really like a marketing agency or anything. So when you're talking about testing creative, what what do you define as the creative for for ads for Facebook? Sure. So creative is copy, headline, images, videos, basically everything that goes into the ad as it exists in somebody's feed. Is there one that's a priority over the other? Is it the um, the video is responsible for about eighty percent of what stops the scroll? The headline is about fifteen percent, and the copy is about five. So, the image or video is definitely going to be what got, gets somebody's attention. But you can have absolutely the best content in the world, but if that doesn't lead to somebody actually being interested in purchasing from you, then it doesn't matter. So throwing this at you then, Charlie, if you're starting, let's just say you're wearing a Mo Honey shirt right now. Let's say yeah, you're Mo starting. Yeah, Mo Honey, Mo Problems. <laughs> uh, he's got it. He's got it. If those who are listening just on the podcast, it's a bear and it looks like a little tribute to some uh, Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, I guess. this is from my friends at $6shirts.com. There you go. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've helped them with some money. <laughs> <laughs> Mo Honey, Mo Problems. Um, so let's say you're starting this clothing brand how would you, and I mean, I'm sure you could go, I think you do a lot better at this than, than most people who just talk straight ads. You talk about the business structure, but speaking about just setting up the ads or just building a brand for a clothing company, how would you handle, how would you handle starting this? And what, what would you use? Uh, would you use Instagram traffic? Would you use both? Would, like, how would you create this clothing brand and, and drive sales for it? Yeah. I mean, if I'm starting from absolute zero, I think I have to understand, am I selling a specific product or am I selling the brand? Um, and I have to know, is my goal to get people interested in the brand and on the landing page because my email game is really strong or is my goal to make sales? Um, and I have to know, is my SEO and you know Google campaign um, am I in a space of really high competition or do I think I can build a really steady awareness? So for instance, $6 shirts, these guys, um, they have $6shirts.com. If you hear that once, like you can Google it and you're good. Um, now their Facebook campaign might show you a bunch of their product selection. And what they're doing is they're showing, you know, and a lot of brands, um, they're building that brand. They're not necessarily trying to sell any one specific product because the inventory on that product or the match rate of the right product for the right person might be very difficult, right? Like when you see like Home Depot, they don't try to sell you a rake or a ladder. They show you one or two things that represent a lot of stuff that looks like the things that you've been searching the internet for for the last week or so. Plus maybe something that you may have bought from the brand previously. And then all of the top selling products that may or may not be related to that. And they're using the DPA ad unit on Facebook, the dynamic product ads catalog ad unit. And that's what that ad unit does. Um, so they're not trying to sell you on one thing. They're trying to sell you that they're the source to solve your problem, regardless of what the problem is, as long as that problem is of this type. Um, and I think that brands can either focus on doing that, or you can go the route of like Nike, where you sell the Jordan. Right. 
They sell Jordans. They sell a lot of things, but they're Jordans first. Um, you know, Nissan, for instance, I used to run them and like, you know, you've never, you'll never see a commercial for like a Skyline. You know what I mean? You, get, you see the Sentra and like maybe a minivan, but they also sell millions of dollars of cars every year because they're getting you in at the thing that closely matches you, building that trust, and then you identify the product that is the best fit for you. So understand what that is and you're going to do very well. So ultimately, I think you have to understand what your ultimate objective is, where your core competencies are as a brand. And I think that answer is different for everybody. Um, I've seen some brands be extremely successful with influencer marketing. They can't run anything on ads. And if you had that exact same brand managed by a different team, influencer would do absolute and ads would be everything that works for them. So um, I think you have to know what you're good at and then figure out a way of using paid media to force multiply your core strengths. Um, and I think that that is a big gap that most people don't realize. I think a lot of people look at paid ads as this is how I'm gonna run my business. And paid ads should be used as a way of creating more volume and traffic and value to the things that you're good at. If you have to rely on paid traffic to keep your business afloat, it doesn't mean you're going to go out of business, but it does mean that you are going to live and die by your ability to make that work for you. And generally speaking, that's a really dangerous and low value way of operating a business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when it comes to your <laughs> philosophy of, 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 targeting and, and more in the audience side of things um is it and you talk more about the algorithm and just knowing the algorithm and uh, sort of letting the algorithm figure it out right for you um would you say that would be the the approach that's recommended as far as as targeting is it a more broad approach or is it important for them to sort of try to get more specific into what they think is going to be their audience um I think a lot of people make the mistake of trying to say, I know who my audience is and let me target those individuals. For instance, like I used to run Jamba Juice. Now they knew that their audience was yoga, teaching mid 20, you know, mid 20, healthy, fit women, um, which may or may not be true. The people that responded to their paid ads were mid 30s moms trying to get their kids something healthy after school. Those people responded to the ads. And what you have to understand is the people that respond to your advertising might be very different than the people that find you organically. Um, and the people that you think your brand really appeals to might not have anything to do with the people that are best fit to respond, to receive your advertising. Um, and I just, I want to say that both ways because I feel like what that really means is do the put together the best sales pitch you can and let Facebook find those users. So I always tell people the set in stone best practice for Facebook, proven after case study, after case study, after case study for years and years and years um, is target with your creative. Let your ads do the target. Um, now that goes against what most experts will say, but most experts are complaining about the same problems year after year and have a business model that relies on let me preach fear and then sell a bad solution and they rely more on their their image and a sales team than good work 
to develop their overall revenue. And that kind of tells you where somebody's at. Um, if somebody has to sell all the time and is complaining all the time, then they're not somebody you should take advice from. Uh, those people don't necessarily get along with me very well. Anyway, that's their problem. Um, I'm bad <laughs> for their business. Uh, but so I think that's what I would do, say is build the best ad you can. See like who, whatever ads you have that work well, lean into that and then find where you have gaps and then try to solve those business objectives with your next round of ads. Creative testing is designed to solve business problems. Let Facebook deal with everything else. <clears throat> it's, and we've talked about this kind of it, it not at, at length. It's probably one of the longest conversations we've had and still going back and forth on it. And uh, you've just put out a lot of good content around this anyway, which is if I have a variable product that changes and I only have limited stock of it, how can I still win at Facebook? Maybe you can give some insight into that. So this is more so for those, not just the you're selling uh, Mo Honey because they could print a million of those, but the clothing boutiques who buy 15 of one item or 20 of one item or even 10 of one item, how do they still use Facebook with a variable product and still begin to win and, and let Facebook learn if it's not a consistent like post ID or a consistent ad? Gotcha. Yeah, I think... Um I think that is where those like dynamic ad units really come into play. Show users that have bought into, if you're a boutique, then that boutique is selling the brand identity more than anything. And I think the most successful version of that is that the people can relate to is probably Nasty Gal. Like they did phenomenal at that, right? Um, and Black Milk when they first started, but now they're like own their, their production and they're not short runs. But if you say, this is my taste, and it's, you're really good at creating that taste and you can provide those individual products, even if it's only one-offs or like very limited runs, then people are buying into your brand because of the aesthetic, right? So you need to build a brand around that aesthetic and you can use catalog ads to show people what the, whatever the most recent thing that you have is. Like one of my favorite t-shirt companies, Wicked Clothes, now they make everything but they do short run and they have a lot of new things. So their email campaigns and their DPA are just showcasing what the next product is. This is another thing. This is something cool. This is whatever. And they're using email and dynamic product ads to really make the sales. And then they do some prospecting with that. So if you bought it and you bought it and you bought it and you bought it, your friend that is friends with all three of you might see that ad because Facebook thinks that that person might be good. And that's an ad unit called DABA, dynamic ads for broad audiences. Um, and I mean, that's extremely effective. Um, so that's really, I think what, if you're in that case, really look into how do I make everything look and feel the same? How do I create an identity with my product selection? That means that people are going to want to do business with me, not because of any one individual product, but because of my overall ability to bring something that they value as a whole. Um, if you can do that, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. And especially for the people who've, who've gotten out, they, they fall in love with the personality of the brand. They fall in love with the style. And then if they, whatever they mention, it's kind of it turns into gold and they buy it up, which absolutely the ads, I guess, put it at scale. Yeah. Um, just to, um, I, I really want to touch on this and this is probably be the last thing we can cover. And I, I really want you to kind of explain in your own words, really what's going on with Facebook and how do we, 
how do we adapt with it? And we, for those who've been listening or have been watching for a while, we've known that Apple has made some changes and basically they're going to show or give less data to Facebook or make people opt in to um, allowing tracking on ads, which we suggest you do so you can at least have a personalized ad experience. Otherwise, it's just going to be a, they're going to sh- show me brawls, which I don't really want to buy those. But um, so that's what's going on with Apple. It's going to give less data to Facebook and a ton of people are freaking out and, and preaching fear. And I know that's kind of the, you're the, you're the antidote uh, or the opposite of that fear. So maybe you can give us an update in your own words about what's going on with iOS and how to combat it and what's the, maybe what, what you think, quote unquote, the future looks like. Yeah. I mean, I think as we see less and less data, the number one way to combat that is to have a less and less reliance on itemized, segmented versions of data collecting. So that means spend more money in fewer places so that those places are smarter and smarter. Um, in addition to that, I think the overall impact of iOS 14 and Apple is been wildly overstated, to be honest. Um, like it is affecting less than 5% of any given population right now. And, and I'll be honest, if your business lives and dies by the person with the most up-to-date Apple device and having that person absolutely opt in across every single device, across every single platform that they own and that they have and that they're logged into, to have that person like need to be on the most current operating system, uh, then then you then you're probably running a pretty bad business. Uh, and, and if it basically means, hey, look, 90%, if if 80% of your spend goes to desktop users, people that have older than the brand new iPhone and Android, like if those over 150 million people in the United States isn't enough for you to run your business against, then your business is probably the reason that you're suffering. <laughs> um, and, and so I just put it like that because that's the scope that we're talking about. Like, at the absolute worst, maybe one out of 10 people is somebody that you can't possibly, that you might not reach as effectively as you did before. And that's also a limited experience. As Facebook keeps, remember their objective is to keep people on the platform for as long as possible. So as people have bad user experiences and Facebook basically has to see, well, what content does this person like? Which one do they not like? Based on their user experience on the platform, Mm-hmm. their ads are going to get better and better and better. So it's basically just like resetting the learning on an individual. But every time they swipe up, that learning gets better. And, and so like absolute worst case, that 10% that hopefully your business doesn't absolutely need to thrive uh, is going to get better and better and better. And if you can get somebody's attention through any means or you create content that's going to appeal to that person based on metadata and content and everything else, they're going to see your ads. So again, I think the people that really suffer from this and why there was a lot of fear was because of the impact of aggregated events management, the way basically Facebook, the way that Facebook was showing you data was they deprecated 28 day click one day view. They deprecated these, low integrity data points that were what less than reputable ad agencies or less than 
you know, I would say uh, above board advertisers were relying on to show their value. Um, I don't care how long your customer journey is. There's no reason that you should be measuring from the bottom up. Say, I got a sale. Who gets credit? That that attribution never worked. It hasn't ever worked. Um, people have tried to solve for that for decades and spent billions of dollars on it. And nobody has a solution. Um, and so the idea that somebody was running their business model by trying to take as much credit for everybody else's work as possible so that they can show an out of context vanity metric to a business owner in a way that that business owner is only going to appreciate if they don't actually look at their books and they don't pay attention to their finance or fulfillment departments, then like those are the people that were most heavily affected. Normal everyday advertisers are only going to see struggles if they're not buying into the best practices that at this point are years old, which is creative tested broad, get more efficient. To, if you have more and more efficient ads, it's because you have a higher estimated action rate. So you're making better and better content to get people's attention, which drives higher and higher quality users into your store. So that every other advertising metric that might rely on that attention that you've gotten is more and more efficient. Um, and then also work on your customer service. Work on your post-sale experience. Work on your email game. Um, the folks that, long story short, if you can run a good business and you care about your customer, you're going to be fine. If you relied upon short wins and kind of disrespecting your customer and not really prioritizing their experience, they're going to go to somebody that did. So. I, I think at the end of the day, good businesses are going to thrive and small businesses that run poorly are going to struggle. And it ultimately isn't because Facebook is out to get them. It's because they don't implement core good business practices. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, yeah. you know, something to be said there too, right? Is a lot of people think that, or at least maybe in 2014 or 16 or whatever it may be, they thought that if they started a business, they could use Facebook ads and then just run it and grow it and now that's not really the yeah the, the case the, the gold rush is over it doesn't mean there's not gold doesn't mean that they're like you know the gold rush of you know california from 150 years ago is over now doesn't mean that gold as a business model is a bad one right it just means that like okay you can't be some asshole with a pick and a tent and become a millionaire like you're gonna actually have to do work mm -hmm. that's a big threat to people who rely on not having to do that as a core element of their success. One quick thing uh, you mentioned there, and, I, and then I kind of end with this, is the the testing. How would one go about doing the testing? You set, a, set up the campaign. Christian mentioned a little bit about asking about the, the broad targeting, but are you testing the creative in that same campaign? You set up a campaign, you have dynamic creative like you mentioned, and then you test creative and plug in and plug out and uh, put in new ones or do you have a second campaign or or I think it depends you on want your to... volume um okay. honestly you can easily get to a million dollar a year spend with one campaign where you're using dynamic creative across a couple of ad sets you can absolutely get to twenty seven hundred and forty dollars a day that's a million dollars a year I wow. didn't just do that math in my head I've said that a few times so I have it ready to go that's a back pocket <laughs> sound bite but you can absolutely do that whether your product is 20 bucks or a thousand, you can easily get there with just letting one campaign see the entire funnel and prioritizing nothing other than lowering your cost per acquisition. 
gold. That being said, you can get more complicated if you want to. But <laughs> though retargeting ads, complex ad accounts, these are all luxury problems that until you need to get there, don't worry about it. Awesome. Yeah. Charlie, so, I mean, you're a wealth of knowledge, YouTube and Facebook. I mean, you're all the places. Where's the best place for somebody to connect with you? Find out more about you. I know you have ebooks and you have courses. What's the best way for them to to find out about it? Uh, I'd say, well, my site, facebookdisruptor.com. And from there, you can find my links on Facebook group, YouTube account, Instagram, my Twitter. You can follow me on Clubhouse. You can grab ebooks. You can get my courses. You can join my Patreon, which has access of all the ebooks, but you pay a monthly subscription instead of a one-off sale. So it's a much better you know, a, a, a economy for, for a lot of folks, or, or you can join the Slack group. But I try to have different solutions for different people. So it's a good, better, best. And um, I'm also launching a Facebook MBA program, which will be a, like an intensive couple month long multi-class. It's basically a course with consulting and group coaching all put together to really just spit out high-end ad, uh, advertisers. Um, so you can walk in basically not knowing much of anything, as long as you have a good business and by the time you come out, you can be elite. Um, because I see a lot of people trying to solve the problem by, let me just hire a whole bunch of people that I'm gonna overwork, underpay and poorly train. And then they complain about you know, their business not going well. And it's like, well, every one of your employees can't do their job. It's just because you have more employees doesn't mean that the work's gonna get done. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's a lot of what I'm doing. And you can DM me on any of those things. I like have like on my lap, on my screen right now, I've got a window and it's Facebook, Twitter, Robinhood, uh, then uh, Instagram, <laughs> you know, uh, my YouTube is just boom, 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 boom. Um, so I'm obsessive about those things. And my fiance will be absolutely one to tell you that my phone has far too many notifications because I don't turn any of them off. So reach out to me if you want help. Um, and I can try to find the right solution of what I can provide. And if I'm not the right person, I absolutely know people that can do it because I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. Um, and my objective is to build relationships with people so that there's a long-term value. Because uh, that's Absolutely. what this business is about. It's about relationships. Yes, and I appreciate um, all the help that you've given us and for coming on this podcast. I know you're going to add a ton of value to people. So appreciate it, Charlie. That's a wrap. Hey, store owners, if you want to learn more about Charlie, you can go to facebookdisruptor.com. Next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. And before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at bitbranding and let us know what you thought about this episode. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.